0: We do something called a meta-analysis where we take the data from all of the trials, we compile them together, and we look at, okay, overall, with all those trials and all the data, what is the effectiveness? If you took ivermectin within the first few days of getting COVID, uh, it it reduces your chance of dying by 50%, which is huge.
1: Welcome once again to the Launchpad Podcast. My name is j and the gentleman to my side is a family physician who was working emergency in Ontario, Canada when he expressed his concern early in the pandemic on the damages of lockdowns and alternative treatments to the COVID-19 vaccine that were being ignored. Dr. Patrick Phillips, thank you very much for being on the program.
0: Thank you for having me on.
1: Now, technically, not to start like on a bad note, but are you still technically a doctor? Because I know that they they removed your license. Is that a temporary thing, or is that something you can get back?
0: So yeah, my license was revoked uh, here in Ontario, uh, and I can apply for reinstatement after about a year. But uh, that doesn't mean they have to g- they they have to give it to me. So <laughs> right. it's pretty much toast here in Ontario Um, I still have my medical degree and things like that but uh, yeah I'm not no longer a practicing physician
1: right and you knew when you spoke out that this was the potential outcome
0: yeah I I knew that this was likely to come uh, from speaking out especially when being one of the lone voices in the beginning Uh, Uh uh, I wasn't the first or anything like that but it was more I knew I was putting myself out there as a And I would be the example case, or at least one of them uh, in Ontario.
1: Okay, so you were probably exposed to most from um, Derek Sloan inviting you to basically share your piece with a couple of other doctors. Uh, I remember watching that. And I, I want to get to that conversation. I'd like to get to ivermectin, and then of course, lockdowns, but I'd like to know, Why first did you decide that you wanted to get into medicine and you wanted to be an MD?
0: Yeah, I think that was something that kind of evolved through my education. I do come from a family of doctors. My older brother and both my parents are doctors, so I was exposed to it quite a bit growing up. I started off with a business degree, so I kind of wanted to look at exploring other things, but then eventually decided to go into medicine. It was something that grew on me. Um, And uh, as as I was exposed to it more and more through medical school, it was... I enjoyed uh the problem solving I enjoyed uh the connection with the patients and uh to to be a healer to a lot of people and so uh I I did really enjoy that I enjoyed uh, especially emergency medicine there's always something new to learn and to uh to apply and uh I like mental health as well so I spent a lot of time with mental health patients and addictions and other things uh, to to help them I I enjoyed it because I Tend to be a non-judgmental doctor who uh, just likes connecting with patients and really listening to them, um, and sometimes that's a rarity in the medical system. So right. that was kind of what I felt like I contributed, and I, I I really enjoyed that. Okay, now
1: we always hear about this oath that doctors take. And a lot of people just throw it out there not even knowing what that's about. If you wouldn't mind just giving a, a small example of what that oath exactly is as a doctor and how you are supposed to go about practicing medicine.
0: Yeah, so oath, oaths have been part of the medical profession for thousands of years. Um, they don't tend, unfortunately, don't mean a lot in the world today. But the in, in essence, an oath is something... That you basically profess uh, to to follow, um, and you put that above all else, including the law, the government, and all these other things. And that that was the purpose of them. That's why, um, like the Hippocratic oath, was there that you're going to put your patient first, right? You're going to follow these principles and practice according to ethics, no matter who who threatens you. Um, so the Hippocratic oath is is the primary oath that that most doctors. Um, uh, uh, profess uh, when they begin or end med- medical school uh, but there's also the the declaration of Geneva which was much more um, particular and that came about uh, after World War II where uh, the, the Hippocratic oath did not go far enough because basically what happened is doctors and physicians ended up killing and experimenting on their patients uh without consent and so the declaration of geneva uh was the, uh came about after the the trials in um uh in nuremberg where doc the doctors were tried and hung for for those atrocities they committed against uh mm. patients and prisoners um and, and so they basically came up with this this vow basically that uh We will put the patients first so so one of them that sticks out is is actually a a series It's quite a few different declarations one that you'll guard the privacy of your patients uh, medical records you won't divulge those you will uh, put the patient first Uh, one of them is that I will not use my medical knowledge. um, To violate the civil liberties of my patient even under threat. That's one of the lines there. And Canada is a signatory to the declaration of Geneva and the world medical council.
1: So for all intents and purposes, like you followed it to the letter <laughs> now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, right. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm a saint that I've right. like, I've done everything perfectly and yeah, but yeah, in, that's what I, I believed I was putting my patients first. And, and, uh, and so that was what, led to some of the decisions that led me to not follow what the college is telling us to do.
1: Right. So let's let's go back to the beginning of the pandemic and I'm sure just like everybody else you're like wow okay there is there is something going on. Um yeah. And you're probably practicing medicine like all the other doctors are practicing medicine. And then I think based on the research that I've done along come lockdowns, and you had mentioned how mental health was something that was really important to you. So I'm just going to take a stab, like a shot in the dark, is that Mm -hmm. when the lockdowns came, and you started seeing the repercussions of those lockdowns, that's what kind of spurred you into action, and then other things followed. Maybe you can speak on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. In in the beginning, I, I was on board with a lot of these things, mostly because I saw a lot of propaganda online. I saw you know, what we now know are faked videos out of Wuhan of people just collapsing in the streets from COVID, right? Which we now know doesn't happen. But, um, but yeah, so I thought, oh, this is the plague. We're going to lose a good chunk of the population. It was worth all these measures to protect people's lives, like shutting down, uh, medical clinics and only treating patients over the phone and locking people at home and all of that. I thought it made sense in the beginning, um, But yeah, you're exactly right. I started to see some devastating consequences in my patients that I was seeing in the communities I was working in. And nobody was, not a peep, not a peep out of anybody. And the other thing that really struck me, because I was, obviously, this was the only thing going on in the world. And so I was looking a lot into the research, right? Of what, how how else can we prevent people from dying from COVID? Uh, And I was seeing the evidence coming out on uh, vitamin D, on weight loss, on uh, all these risk factors that are modifiable, like lowering your blood pressure, all of that reduces your risk of hospitalization and death from COVID Mm -hmm. and not a peep from public health. So I saw that devastating consequences of lockdowns. Right. Perfectly safe and effective ways to reduce morbidity and mortality from from, uh, COVID with lifestyle measures (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not a peep about those things. I'm like, why isn't anybody saying anything? So you know, what were some uh, of the
1: things that you saw in your patients that you would consider to be devastating, catastrophic? I, I know one in particular yeah. that caught my attention was like youth suicide.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of them for sure. I uh, I started to see patient after patient. This is in the height of the lockdowns uh, in the fall, winter of 2020. Um, schools were shut down. People were locked at home. And I just started seeing all these children. Uh, teens and, and children as young as eight coming in with suicidality I'm like whoa I haven't seen a suicidal eight-year-old like coming in uh, and especially this many all in a row and so I looked at what what was the common denominator here when they were locked at a school and their parents were following to it at least to a t from what they told me the public health measures right so their child was locked at home with no friends no socialization no school or anything uh and that seemed to be what uh, pushed a lot of these kids to, to suicidality. Suicidality is not that uncommon in the world, but it's pretty uncommon in children. And so they were these children were basically completely isolated and forced into that. Um, and so that's what I, I noticed. And that was really bothersome to me. And I uh, honestly, I told the parents, look, uh, for the sake of your child, <laughs> you need to violate some of these public health measures and get them some time with a friend. You know, that like that's why it's so rare for kids to be suicidal, because if they're just able to just be themselves, socialize, be with friends a bit, that's usually doesn't come out. They might be depressed. They might have emotional issues and things like that. But to get to the point for a child to want to end their life, that's so rare. It's from severe isolation.
1: Right. And what were a lot of the things that you saw manifest in adults?
0: Yeah. So uh, so in, on the physical level, um, it was primarily. Uh, things that came from lack of medical care, uh, either due to fear of coming in or because things switched over to, uh, to phone based medicine. So I had one, uh, elderly lady who was treated, but from what she told me when she came into emerge, she was treated for back pain over the last year with, uh, with opioids, like so severe back pain. And she was just treated, uh, and seen by her doctor over the phone, um, But the pain became so bad that she had to call an ambulance and come in to see me. And so when I physically examined her for the first time in a year, right, because she hadn't seen seen a doctor, uh, what she called back pain was actually a large tumor, a giant lump on her back. So I put uh, an ultrasound on it and she was riddled with metastatic cancer. And so that's somebody it's hard to know when it would have been caught, but I can tell you for sure it would have been caught earlier if she got a physical exam and uh, and maybe it would have been early enough that she could have been treated. But by the time I saw her, it was metastatic. Um, And so that's something just so simple. Like if she could just go into her doctor and get a physical exam, when she had her back pain uh, that could have been caught earlier. Um, Another one, uh, similar again I saw the, the a lot of metastatic cancer cases but yeah one was uh, another one was a middle aged man who had uh, belly pain uh, for a few months in his case he didn't even try to go in because he he was too afraid to come into the emergency room uh, because uh, he thought he would catch COVID or we were overrun which we weren't we were our hospitals were much slower during that time not not overrun at least the ones I worked in I worked in multiple but um uh yeah, so he let the belly pain just go, and noticed his belly was getting bigger and bigger, and and to the point that it got really tight and couldn't really move it very well. Uh, and so that was when he decided, okay, well now it's worth coming in. And when when again when I checked him, I checked him, and his belly was completely full of fluid. Sent him for a CT, and it ended up being metastatic cancer. Again, somebody if you weren't riddled with fear and lies really about the hospitals being overrun and that like if he came into the hospital even during the height of COVID there was so few cases none actually in the areas where I work there was zero risk of catching COVID in the emergency room Uh, he could have his life could have been saved right those are just examples right Uh, there's many more of people with a diabetic foot infection who didn't get seen in time and ended up with an amputation or getting septic. Like, there's so many more of just the simp they shut down doctor's offices and pretended like a physical exam is not essential. And really it is. Um, And so, and no, again, not a peep from the Ontario Medical Association, not a peep from the TV doctors who were clamoring for more lockdowns and for more restrictions. Um, And so I felt compelled that somebody needs to say something so they they at least know because there's so many people out there too who saw this in their own lives but they're being while the tv doctors say it's we still need to shut down the hospitals and the doctors clinics and all of these things and and there's no other side to the debate so i felt like i needed to to say Mm -hmm. something
1: Mm -hmm. yeah we're living in this world right now that if it's not on the mainstream news and it's not that doctor Everybody else is a quack. And I think that was really important in regards to you being able to get out there and share your piece is I know it Mm -hmm. spoke a lot to people like myself that also kind of had questions as to at least what's going on and why are we handling this so differently? I think as a human species, we all kind of have that lowest common denominator of common sense. And I just knew something was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew something was wrong. So- in your medical opinion do you believe that there was more damage done through lockdowns and maybe the misinformation in regards to other practical treatments or early early care in regards to the onset of covid that we did more damage than we did good
0: yeah i think I, i think that's true for sure um especially yeah in the beginning uh with all these lockdowns they caused a lot of harm nobody even talked about them and it was harm that was put on people against their will they were forced into these lockdowns they didn't choose to do that and so uh yeah it definitely caused a lot of harm it okay. and, and it varied from person to person but honestly because we now know that covid just ripped through the population anyway we anybody was i think everybody in north america has been exposed to covid at this point so so really did we really save anybody like did we save anybody from catching covid probably not i think everybody's gotten covid you know right. so we put all that massive harm just delaying the inevitable right so um so yeah i would say it definitely caused more harm than good
1: in regards to the ivermectin debate Mm-hmm. Like that was a word that you couldn't say on social medias. You definitely yeah. couldn't put it on something like YouTube. What mm-hmm. were your findings in regards to ivermectin and what it was able to do in regards to prevention of COVID and then also just maybe the deterioration and relief from COVID symptoms and the virus itself?
0: Yeah, so I think there's there's multiple pieces to this. Um, So I think part of the context is is what is ivermectin? Ivermectin is a drug that has been around for decades. Um, It's been used billions of times around the world. It's very common drug, it's over the counter in almost all countries of the world, except for Western countries like um, Europe and and, uh, North America. And it's used to treat um, mostly parasitic infections. such as uh, like eye infections in Africa that causes river blindness uh, or worms of the intestinal tract or other things like that. So so there's that. So, so what that, but the important point there is that it's a widely used drug. It's over the counter and it's extremely safe. So we know that it has extremely low side effects. Almost all of the side effects um, that are listed on it actually come from a reaction that happens when you are riddled with parasites, you have a bunch of parasites, you take ivermectin, the parasites die and that causes a bunch of side effects. So almost all of the side effects that are even listed on there don't come from the the drug itself, only from the breakdown of parasites. If you have them, if you don't have parasites, almost all those side effects that are even listed there, like a bit of nausea, dizziness, things like that, which are very mild. um, You don't even get those. So, So it's very safe, has a well-established safety profile. Um, And so that sets an important context because if we're talking about, even if it's minimally effective, if if there was just a chance that it's effective, why not when we know that this is a safe thing? It's not an unknown thing. It's not a new drug that come out. Maybe it's going to kill people or something like that. We know it's safe. It's safer than Tylenol. It's safer than Advil. It's safer than probably... the vast majority of over-the-counter drugs that we have because Tylenol kills people every year Advil does through kidney disease uh GI bleeds and things like that which are very serious consequences of these over-the-counter pills you can just go pick up (laughs) at your convenience store Mm. so um so it's safer than those so so that's the context so even if it's not effective it should be available anyway, or if it's barely effective or it's maybe effective, that's the standard that we should be using. Right. Because nobody could get
1: this because nobody could get this. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, so especially with that as the context, is it effective or not? And even there, the evidence is really good. Uh, Honestly, there were, um, Something like I think by the time I evaluated, there were about forty randomized control trials, uh, and all but a few of them showed that, that that it was effective. And so, and when and what we do to evaluate that uh, is we do something called a meta-analysis, where we take the data from all of the trials, we compile them together, and we look at okay, overall with all those trials and all the data, what is the effectiveness and it showed a reduction in mortality of at least 50%. Uh, So that means that if you took ivermectin within the first few days of getting the, uh, getting COVID, uh, it, you, it reduces your chance of dying by 50%, which is huge. A lot of drugs, when when you go to your doctor to get, um, uh, statins or get put on diabetes medications, the reduction in mortality from taking those is like, a few percents, 5%, 2%, you know, so we give, like, we give, we give people things all the time that, that are barely are effective, but they right. become standard of care.
1: And you were uh, not uh, allowed to prescribe ivermectin.
0: So you are actually, there was no law in Ontario, okay. anywhere else that uh, prohibited uh, the prescription of ivermectin. Uh, all right. There were implications. They kind of hinted at, if anything that's not on the guidelines, maybe you shouldn't give, or or Health Canada came out and said that there, we don't have any trials that show that ivermectin is approved for COVID, <laughs> but they don't even have the authority to say that. Health Canada mm. uh, just approves drugs, and once they're on the market, we use them off-label all the time. Most, right. like something like 20% of all prescriptions in Canada are off-label prescriptions, so... Uh, and. And even when it's effective, it's not worth going through the whole approval trials, which cost millions to tens of millions of dollars. If it's on the market and some studies show that it's effective, doctors have the right to uh, to prescribe it. So if it's safe and the patient consents. Right. And it happens all the time. So
1: for the most part, it was a lot of propaganda in regards to just making it seem like it's a horse dewormer. Yeah. and and to not take yeah. it whereas yeah. i believe in the states where it was a little bit more strict as to where they were not allowed to bring it into the hospitals
0: yeah so so yeah where it was banned was more on the local levels yeah hospitals would ban it um my hospital did at one point um and uh some yeah places would ban it. i think alberta explicitly banned it for their doctors to prescribe it i think uh, but in ontario that didn't happen uh, but they still seem to come after you for whatever you want and so that was interesting because actually in in our i teamed up with a bunch of doctors in fighting my case against the college and, and one of those we mentioned and we brought to the tribunal that these statements put out by the college are just emails they're just suggestions tweets really they're, they're not policies they weren't approved by council and even if they were approved by council the law states that um, they're uh, none of their regulations have force or effect unless in Ontario, at least unless they've been approved by the governor and council, which means the Ontario cabinet and the Minister of Health, and then they become legally enforceable regulations. And so when we said that, they agreed with us. They said, yeah, these, this ban on ivermectin, uh, this ban on uh, writing exemptions for, for vaccines or and, and whatnot, all of those were suggestion and non-binding. So we agreed to that. The college agreed to that and the tribunal agreed to that as well. But what they alleged is that um, we retain the right to come after you for whatever we want. It doesn't matter what the law says. Uh, If we deem anything to be unprofessional, then we can uh, can accuse you and convict you of professional misconduct. and, And we have basically an unlimited right to do that. So basically the ban on ivermectin they agreed is of no force or effect but if you don't do what we say or what you think we want we'll just call you unprofessional and you're done anyway (laughs) that's basically we kind of live in it's there's no rule of law there it's it's if you cross the authorities they have an unlimited uh power to convict
1: you okay i want to explore this element as well because Media is all over the place, and we live in this cancel culture now. And it's not all that often that we get to speak to all those people, especially like on a lower level. Like, of course, there's people of fame and fortune that just seem to be uncancelable, even though they can't go on certain platforms. You're yeah. a human being, Patrick, that just happened mm-hmm. to practice medicine, and you're looking at this bizarro world around you, and you're speaking your truth. And you're getting trampled on and you continue to get trampled on in the mainstream media. Like, what does that do to your soul? Like how does that make you feel on a human level?
0: Yeah. Uh, the last few years, I, yeah, I would say on a lot of levels it was extremely painful and it, it really brought me face to face with uh, a lot of my worst nightmares. I mean, being a medical student, going to into a medical career, you're generally a goody two shoes in a lot of ways, right? You uh, never get into trouble. You always try to be perfect, all of that. That's kind of goes hand in hand with becoming a doctor. And I came face to face with, okay, well I need to break some of these rules and risk getting in trouble. And and so some of my worst nightmares for many years were of getting a college complaint, even just getting the complaint, let alone getting convicted. <laughs> and my license revoked, and um, I've faced the the issues of my, my other nightmares, right, of um, going bankrupt, uh, and not just losing my license quietly, <laughs> of getting my name drugged through the mud across the entire country. I was in newspapers all across the country, radio stations. I'm on the local radio station when I go in to get my groceries, and everybody's hearing but what an awful doctor I am, and how, um, and all of those things, right, so... It was intense. Um, really facing that, and I can I continued to fight it because I I I was seeing yeah my life being torn to shreds, but also seeing my country. Honestly, like I cared about Canada. Like I saw I was slipping into a communist dictatorship right where we have zero rights um and no right to expression freedom of movement i wasn't allowed to even go home to my home province of new brunswick um without a visa um essentially and permission from the government so and even then can't take a train or a plane or any of those things right so so i saw my country being destroyed i saw my life being destroyed and it puts you to a very dark place very easily and yeah i honestly in that pain um i had to sit with that pain quite a bit and it pushes you to really yeah like honestly the verge of suicidality and wanting just kind of to end your life really in some of those dark moments but the gift that i found in that is that i really turned to spirituality because i was looking at my life how awful it is how awful the world is and i'm like there has to be a different way there has to be a different way of seeing this there has to be something different and that opened kind of a crack into my mind of of seeing that there's a different world there's a different perspective on all of this that can allow me to have peace and I had a few experiences of that of finding that peace in meditation uh and um and spirituality and I was kind of forced into it through all the misery, but that's really where my life is turned. And so I'd get little glimpses of that. I've kind of picked up spirituality, like course of miracles, non-duality, things like that and forgiveness and the path of forgiving, especially your worst enemies, actually, that's the biggest one. Uh, and when you do that, it's almost like a glitch in the matrix and you can kind of I found that peace that on the inside that no longer requires the world to be the way I need it to be. I don't need to get Justin Trudeau out of the government. I don't need to get my medical license back. I I can be trashed in the media. And there's a way to find peace even through all of that. And even worse, losing my home, (laughs) going bankrupt, all of that. And so when I found that I could actually be grateful for all the trials and tribulations and everything that came because I needed them to find that it forced me to look inward for peace instead of looking outward to fix the world to fix my life to fix the college like I I realized that no I'm that's not the way it'll never work even if it works it's temporary and it always falls apart so I found the inward path and that's where I found a lot of peace and uh, really radically changed the way I see myself in the world
1: I think that's an amazing point of view. That's a great perspective. And we Mm -hmm. kind of chatted about that a little bit before we got started with this podcast is I have never had a doctor on the show. And the reason being is because people place me on the right. I Mm. had a regular podcast one day I decided to have Randy Hillier on my show and I've been a right winger (laughs) ever since. (laughs) You know what I mean? I have some conservative values. I have some liberal values. I really consider myself to be a centrist. And I tried far too long to try to get someone that would be considered on the left to try to have a conversation about this. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be labeled once again as being of course he's going to have this type of doctor on the show but like Mm -hmm. I, I have done too much of adjusting myself making myself uncomfortable to keep other people comfortable and I decided this year on the podcast that's not going to be the case any longer so know that I had many opportunities to maybe have doctors on I was waiting for that one right person and I I believe you're that right person, and I am incredibly grateful um, for what you sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry that you had to lose the things that you that you did, but it put you on this proper course. And I I mm-hmm. can't tell you just based on my social circle alone, knowing that that's yeah. always multiplied out, is that you standing up for people did so much more good than I believe you could ever imagine so for all the people that want to push you down for all the per- all the people that want to call you a quack i would really hope that some of them have the opportunity to see this podcast and see the humanity in you um and the forgiveness in you that a lot of other people don't have out there so thank you for expressing those thoughts
0: yeah thank you yeah it's
1: an honor to- so you know what i I think maybe that is a, a beautiful place to end right there. Is there anything that's on your heart outside of that? Is there something that you're doing that you would like to share with the audience? Like what's going on with you now?
0: Yeah, so I've kind of been figuring that out. I've been unemployed for over a year, right? I'm just figuring out myself, but also doing a lot of my own healing work on the inside. So that's what's brought me to this place of peace and everything. And so I, I'm. that's what I want to do now is to be able to, help people through their struggles to find that new perspective where they can find the peace on the inside. So I have just actually last week, I launched a counseling service business. Uh, so Patrick Phillips counseling.com, uh, people can book in, uh, it's pay as you can. Uh, so it's very cheap, affordable. Uh, and I just want to help other people to find, uh, peace through spirituality and forgiveness. And so um, that's what I'm doing. If you're interested in in spirituality and, and, and finding that going inward, then uh, yeah, feel free to book in anytime you can book, make a book an appointment anytime on my, on my website.
1: Right. Well, Dr. Patrick Phillips, thank you very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. And I wish you all the best moving forward.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Jason.
1: All right. And to everyone else watching, that's you. Uh, You take care, be well, love simply because you can, and I'll catch you next time.